On this episode, we discuss Fifty Shades Freed. That's right. We're free of the Fifty Shades of Grey series after this. The curse is broken. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. A lot of big energy coming out of Dan. <laughs> this is Stuart Wellington. And over here, it's Elliot Kalen, voice a little froggy, because we're all tired. Yeah, let's draw back the curtain. We just had our... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> we had our DC live show last night, and we were out until two, um, because we're idiots. Yeah, fully and, knowing we were going to record an episode the next day. And now we're huddled around a tiny table in a hotel room, uh, closer than ever. Guys... This is what I want out of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with my best buds. My wife most likely going to come back into the room and yell at us for not being done recording yet. Uh, yeah. yeah, at some point, yeah, you may hear the electronic. I don't know why I let her pack that rolling pin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're always telling Pet that it's, it's, she shouldn't get mad at you. Uh you may hear at some point the electronic sounds of the door to Stewart's, for some reason, ADA-compliant hotel room. Uh Opening up. I'm not saying hotel rooms shouldn't be ADA compliant. I'm saying they should not go to Stuart. They should go to people who need <laughs> Stuart them. Well, when able bodied. <laughs> when yeah, I boy is he ever. Well, when I checked in, they Kane were like able bodied. Uh, and and Mr. Wellington, do you have any special needs? And I'm like, my desires are unconventional. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, fuck it, just give them that room. <laughs> uh, do you have any special needs? Well, there's such a thin line between pain and pleasure. I don't understand. <laughs> I have such uh, things to show you. <laughs> yep. My Cenobite name would be Sunglasses Face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doesn't 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 Pinhead wear sunglasses? No, it's, it's one of the other guys wears sunglasses. The the fat. Oh, one. Butterball does have Butterball sunglasses. wears sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. man, yeah. it's unfair that he gets two things. Yeah. <laughs> what, one of them being that he's fat. I don't. I mean, that's what his name's based around. Unless the brand of sunglasses is Butterball, no, some weird branding option for the turkey company. He's an he's the heir to the Butterball turkey <laughs> fortune. That makes sense. There's a, every one of these rich families, and this will tie into Fifty Shades Freed. Okay, every one of these fix, these uh, rich families has the black sheep who is the the rogue of the family <laughs> sure, yep. and for the butterball family Tobias butterball <laughs> it's Tobias butterball who became a cenobite uh-huh. and hangs out with his leather and pin friends <laughs> yeah um, what's man, the na- what's it. the name of the woman who talks to her vocal cords I don't remember her, her throat, like throat open I know chatterbox and butterball but I don't remember and, her and of course name. pinhead and cd head in the later mm-hmm. movies yeah cd head he's really cool <laughs> and who is it, Julia? CD uh, head is like uh, it's Julia, right? Yeah, maybe Julia. Yeah, oh C- man, she's fucking awesome. CD head is like this recording technology will never be obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> I'll always be on the cutting edge, isn't that right? Phillips CDI head and 3DO head. <laughs> yeah, he says cutting edge, and then throws a razor sharp CD through somebody's uh, chest, and they're like, "This is not pleasure at all. It's only pain." <laughs> and then they look down. They're like. Oh, that's that Spin Doctor's record. I guess I do get pleasure from this. <laughs> like, this is a mobile gold fidelity CD. What a ripoff. 
Okay, guys, so. let's let's talk about that's enough talk about Cinnabites. <laughs> I guess so. Cinnabites, which I think we may have talked about, was the <laughs> w- was the s- breakfast cereal version of Cinnabites. <laughs> it was Clive Barker's Cinnabites. <laughs> you open um, up a box, and instead of chains, cereal comes out. They go, There's such a thin line between candy and breakfast. <laughs> yeah. The sweet taste of Cinnabites. <laughs> <laughs> cinnamon your, flavored, I guess. Is that your Clive Barker impression? Yeah, that's what he sounds like. Oh, yeah, famous English author Clive Barker. He just kind of sounds creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird move for the Cookie Crisp dog to do those commercials, also. Uh, yeah, when he just sh- shows up like chained to a wall <laughs> in a in a room that's like this doesn't even seem like a film set. Did they just go into somebody's apartment? <laughs> Oh, man, I love those movies. They're really good. Okay, speaking of good movies, what do we do on this podcast, Dan? Uh, Well, we watch a bad one, Uh movie that is. (laughs) (laughs) Movie that is. And then we talk about it. They went on down to bad movies, movies that is, maddens. He already clarified it was movies. I don't know why he would say that. Okay, so we watch a bad movie, then we talk about it. And today we're going to do just that. Talk about a movie. Yeah, we were uh, we were also huddled around Elliot's computer earlier watching <laughs> Fifty Shades Freed. We really, uh, you know, this this shows a technological marvel, guys. We we use computers. <laughs> we're tapping phone li- phone lines. You know that that ain't allowed. <laughs> we're tapping phone lines. As soon as we find out what a phone is, I mean that's the uh, that's why we got to tap ra- the line. Yeah, that's the magical realm that Magic Tavern lives in. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my so we my were, mispronunciation really ruined my Talking Heads reference. <laughs> we were uh, we were all huddled around Elliot's computer, uh, just the sheer sweat and heat of <laughs> our bodies mingling together. So turned on by what we were seeing in the final third of the. Fifty Shades Thrilogy. Mm-hmm. Now, to remind people what happens in the Fifty Shades movies, in the first movie, we're introduced to Christian Grey, very rich. He's basically like Batman. If Batman, instead of being a superhero, was a... He channeled a, his energy Was into, a masochist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or sadist, he calls himself. I mean, he does dress up He's in a big a rubber suit, so there's a little crossover. Uh, Batman but, does. Christian yeah. Grey doesn't. Yeah. I mean, when, I sorry, mean, maybe we. I mean, we don't see every aspect of his life, Ellie. Just because it's not on screen doesn't mean it's not part good, of the story. Good mm-hmm. point. There's so much going on outside the frame. Yeah. Uh, Christian Grey is a sadist. Uh-huh. He meets Anastasia Steele, yep. who is a seemingly normal woman who piques his interest and becomes his erotic obsession. And she's intrigued by his world of outre sexuality which and takes wealth the, and well and also that he owns a helicopter a private jet houses in every place in the world fancy cars and that second movie what was it called 50 shades returns 50 shades darker <laughs> 50 shades darker uh escape to 50 shades, <laughs> 50 shades strikes back <laughs> well yeah return to 50 shades beneath 50 shades <laughs> uh escape to 50 shades mountain in the, in 51 the, shades of gray <laughs> Because they added one more carrot. Yeah. 102 Dalmatians. How will they ever be able to deal with that? Yeah. I mean, that's just going to make a bigger coat, right? <laughs> yeah. She's got enough to make a little beanie, too. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta yeah, assume, yeah, she's got enough to make a little dice bag for her D&D game. You got you to gotta assume when that 102nd Dalmatian showed up, the, the humans were like, let's just give this one to Cruella. Like, how many of these damn dogs are we going to take care of? Yeah, yeah, drop it like Caltrops behind the car. <laughs> Uh, so in the second one, we are pulled even further into the world of lavish wealth and guiltlessness of the first mm. movie, but also Anna runs afoul of her boss, Hyde, who becomes Jackal, upset. Jackal Hyde. Jackal Hyde, 
who becomes obsessed with her and with wanting revenge on Christian. And Christian breaks it off, so it seems, with Kim Basinger, the woman who, when he was a teenager, taught him the ways of the flesh. Uh, okay. And then there's like, <laughs> why are you looking at me like that? Because <laughs> I don't remember now what else happened. Now you're looking your lips uh, and pulling well, out a fucking knife. <laughs> Christian, I looked at you and I just saw a big turkey leg. <laughs> Christian Gray got uh, his helicopter crashed, and then one scene later, he walks in fine. Oh, and they and they and, get engaged, and they get engaged. So that takes us to Fifty Shades Freed. We're ready. Fifty Shades Freed starts off right away with Christian and Anastasia are getting married. Yeah, it opens mirrors. Guys, I forgot to buy them anything. <laughs> what, what do I do? I mean, when they're that rich, they're not going to notice, but just go in the registry. Okay. You I know mean, there's like all these uh, sterling silver like butt plugs that they would never buy for themselves, that's but that's right. why you have a wedding. Yeah. So someone else gets you that. I think, Dan, you can just go with the gift you get most people for weddings. You show up with your acoustic guitar and sing a song for them. <laughs> like, you were I'd like to give you the greatest gift. Of music. But That's literally only happened at one wedding in my own. And, then, and you only know what you only know one Sum 41 song. That's right. So you just play that every time. But I don't remember any of their songs. Okay. Maybe well, it's a Matchbox 20 song that you sing. Mm-hmm. It's Drops Jupiter in her hair, etc. So uh there's a the the, mar- the wedding is funny. She Anna, Anna tosses the bouquet and the best man catches it. Get oh, out of here! He is so embarrassed. Anyway, they are still super rich. They go on a honeymoon in Paris. She adds an Eiffel Tower charm to her very tacky charm bracelet because you know what you can't buy taste. Mm. <laughs> oh wow! I never thought. Yeah, about you that. can be super rich and yet have bad taste in things. Uh, or you can be Peter Jackson and have bad taste the movie on your filmography. <laughs> that, that's he, true. I can be Peter Jackson. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's, oh, I found Let me whole, get you this Oculus set. That's <laughs> <laughs> the Peter Jackson it's, VR experience. It's, it's, I found a hole behind a filing cabinet, and you crawl through it, and you're in Peter Jackson's head. <laughs> no. I don't know if I want it now. <laughs> but what I mean is it's not like in a mystical sense. You're just inside his brain, and it's goopy and gross. Yeah. And he's killed instantly. It's not like hip-hop artist Mystical? <laughs> not at all. Uh, you think that if this is, oh, okay, the honeymoon in Paris, that seems pretty expensive. Uh-oh, on to, it was either Italy or Greece. I couldn't quite tell because uh, I'm not rich enough that I know. It was, a, it was a place that has beaches that are topless friendly. And Christian does not want Aunt Anna to go topless on the beach. He is very controlling, but she defies him and just lays out with her bosoms in the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they jet ski off for some handcuff sex. That's uh-huh. their honeymoon. <laughs> this is uh, this is kind of a break from the norm of these movies, because normally the porn is watching people drive fancy cars up to mansions. But in this case, we get to see people drive a fancy jet ski up to a yacht. Yep. So it's a twist em up. Okay. What people weren't expecting out of a third movie. That's the thing about threequels is that you have to get even bigger and crazy. That's why there's three bad guys in this one: the Penguin, uh-huh. <laughs> Mister Freeze, okay. and Gia Matteo, and, and, and Gia Matteo, a bosomy architect that we'll meet later in the film. Uh, who has? And here's there's two characters introduced in this movie with great names. There's Gia Matteo, the sexy architect, and Boyce Fox, the the promising horror writer yep. and Boyce Fox is introduced with a lot of fanfare. And then he, he's, he's the vision of these movies where he's introduced as if he's the linchpin of the series and then nothing happens with him. And he's taken down by a bunch of what Corvus slaves or something. <laughs> yep. Anyway. So, 
meanwhile, a mysterious intruder goes into Christian Grey's private server and sets off a time bomb made out of a flask, but not until he steals some computer files first. And Anna sees a, a freeze frame from the security cameras like, that's my old boss, yeah, she Jack goes, Hyde. She goes, computer, enhance. <laughs> and they're like, this is a printout, ma'am. <laughs> no, the fact that it's made out of a flask seems like a bit of unnecessary flair in this movie. Like, I mean, I give the movie credit for having at least some interesting thing happen in it, but it doesn't pay off in any way. It's not like... Oh, of course. It's legendary drunk uh, guy <laughs> who, who, who put this bomb here. Jack, you know? It's the kind of thing that would be a clue in another yeah. movie. But instead here, it's just like they, they maybe they didn't come up with the bomb idea until that day's shoot. So they're like, <laughs> what can we make a bomb out of that's lying around? Give me your flask. Uh, they go to the old security guard. I need your flask. Oh, but this, be- but old Betty's been with me through thick and thin. <laughs> Four marriages, five wars. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, uh, and... Christian is like, I think my helicopter crash was not an accident. Mm-hmm. It might have been sabotage. And there's a number of loose threads from the last movie that get tied up in this one in very perfunctory ways, and that's one of them. Uh, like, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. It wasn't just a random act of uh, accident. Yeah, uh, a random acts of accident. Acts of accident, yeah. So uh, they go back home. Christian gets Anna, Anna some bodyguards. I keep calling her Anna like it's frozen. Mm-hmm. But we'll just call her Anna. Uh, gets Anna some bodyguards, Sawyer and another one. And mm-hmm. Sawyer, we know, is ve- that her assistant at work has the hots for him. Does this go anywhere? It does not. It's just one of the many loose, tangling subplots <laughs> laced into the movie, it's like so of- much beard hair that hasn't been shaved properly in an old man's face. <laughs> it's all part of the rich tapestry that is woven and then laid down on a bed and then sex is happening. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, rough bed sex on a tapestry. Just raw, just really rubbing your skin raw. Exactly. The ultimate fantasy. The screenplay... <laughs> The screenplay like reads like it's a free writing exercise where someone was just like, okay, I'm just going to just lay down all my thoughts on the page, <laughs> yeah. just lay them all down, stream of consciousness, whatever comes in. Well, and it feels like some of Stephen King's books where you can tell he was writing it without really a plan and he'll just plant yeah. things and then they won't pay off later. But this is a movie. They should have fixed some of that. Yeah, they can go back. <laughs> like were they improving the movie as they went on? <laughs> it's not like they wrote it on a typewriter and they're like, oh, we don't have the technology <laughs> to change – Change words, though. So. <laughs> uh, so Anastasia is not sure how to run the household of a very rich gentleman. And uh, the, the, the Christian's housekeeper is like about the meals, the decor, da-da-da. And I wanted her to be like, we pay you to do this. Like, what, is this Elizabethan times? Like, or like Regency period? Why am I in charge of this household all of a sudden? She has a professional job. But anyway, uh, she dismisses the cook for the day, though, and cooks Christian some dinner. And over dinner, they worry that Christian does not want children. He says he's not ready to share her with anybody. This is the first time that Anna has in any way expressed any interest in children. But it's like the movie has such a – for a movie that's all about – it's supposed to be kind of like kinky sex. It has such a regressive retrograde idea of human, female, and male relations and families where she's like, I got married. Time for you to put a baby in me. <laughs> Clock's yeah. ticking. Come on, this is this is what this is what we're about. It's not, we have pair bonded. Now it's time for us to make a mainstream nuclear family. Yeah, and guys, if there's one thing I know about relationships, it's that the time to have the discussion about whether you want children is right after you got married. Like 
Yeah, this after you that, made a, a massive commitment. Yeah, nothing has apparently come up on this subject before. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, you'd think in a healthy relationship they would have discussed these kinds of life goals yeah. so at, you, a, at previous date. The order is you get married, you make a delicious meal of Lunchables for your husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Christian then, is essentially a grown child, so yeah. we were like, does he just eat chicken nuggets? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you talk to him about having a baby. Uh, he does not he's like, like it. But I'm a baby. <laughs> he's like that reminds me. I was waiting till after we were married to introduce you to my next level of sex play. I'm a, it's baby play. Mm. I'm a baby, and you're gonna change me. And she's like, I don't want to judge you or shame you on this, but I'm not into it. And he's like, Well, we're married now, so you have to be. Mm, yeah. yeah, them's the break. When you marry me, you knew the deal, except for this part because I didn't tell you. <laughs> uh, Anna goes back to work and finds that while she was away, she was promoted to fiction editor. Yay. She has. It's like the thing that makes me mad about at her in this in these movies is she has the most unearned professional career in that she gets her job because Jack Hyde has the hots for her. Then her husband buys the company and fires him and gives her his job over people who have worked there longer. And now she was literally away on her honeymoon and they're like, we promoted you to a bigger job while you were gone because – you just did such a great job on your honeymoon yeah. that we wanted to recognize well, that. Well, and the movie keeps acting like, uh, I was like, no, 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 you deserve that, honey. Like, you've got it. Like, I I think the movie wants us to think that she actually, like, got there on her, her own. There's a part later where her husband calls her and says, hey, it's your boss's boss's boss. And it was like, ew, that's so gross. Like, yeah. that's a terrible way to classify your relationship with your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Look, honey, there's three layers of bureaucracy between you and me. <laughs> I could fire the guy who could fire the guy who could fire you. Uh, yeah, but it's still kind of hot. Um, um, the, <laughs> <laughs> and also, at this point, we're introduced to a, uh, what, a secretary, like a co-worker who Named Liz. Her, yeah, who informs her that she's got the promotion. But she's clearly resentful of this. As I wonder if that will pay dividends in the story. We'll see. But also, like, as she should be, I yeah. would be pissed, too. There's a part later where, uh, let me give you two examples of how Anna is not good at her job, or at least has not shown that she's amazing at it. One is that later on, we catch the end of a meeting, and she's like, great work, guys. And she turns to someone and goes, can you make the font two points bigger on the on the public statement? And the person's like, yeah. And it's like, what kind of fucking stupid note is that? <laughs> yeah, make it two points bigger, sure. That's the kind of note that... Like the graphics department, the Daily Show, we get all the time. Would be like, uh, "Can you blur this by ten percent?" And they'd be like, "You got it." And then as soon as the producer walked away, they'd be like, "The fuck does that mean? Blur it ten percent?" Like, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna notice. They're like, "Can you can you cut this down by two frames?" This uh, to the editor. The editor's like, "You got it." And then what? Who who cares? No one's gonna notice. It's two frames. But anyway, there's that. But also. We're introduced to her new hot writer, Boyce Fox. Now, oh. and they're like, great catch. The The pre-orders on this Boyce Fox book are enormous. But it's also the third book of a series. Yeah. It just wait, says it on the title, like wait, book three the, of, this, of the series. The pre-orders are already happening. Isn't it a little, I mean, I don't know the publishing business, but doesn't it seem like a little late to sign him? Well, it see, it's maybe she signed him earlier, but it's it's conf- it's confusing to me what the timeline is of the Boyce Fox deal. He's all, she might be just editing the book with him mm-hmm. at that point. She's already signed him. Maybe she wrested him away from another publisher where mm-hmm. the first two books in the series came out. Usually, the publisher would have the you know would make a deal for the whole series. Yeah, I mean so, it's Boyce Fox. Yeah, this is Boyce Fox. He's a huge star. Uh, he's he's the wonderkind. He's the literary wonderkind of. Uh, of the world. Yeah, he's the, what, Klaus Nausgaard of the, of the Fifty <laughs> yeah, Shades universe? Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I thought that was very funny because he's clearly not writing that kind of book. 
Like, I yeah. think he's supposed to be like a Stephen King, George R. R. Martin, or even like a Dan Brown type. But we never learn what his books are about. He is he's only in like one scene and then he disappears from the movie. But they give him so much but build that up. One scene. And they give him a, the name Boyce Fox. So you have so many questions like, what the fuck is a Boyce? <laughs> um, anyway, Anna gets into another argument with Christian because he wants her to change her work email to her married name. She's not ready for that yet because it shows that she has been absorbed into the gray yeah. collective and she's no longer her own woman. But the next scene, all is forgiven because Christian bought her a fancy new sports car. Mm. They drive around in it to the to the forest mansion that he also bought for her. Uh, it's yeah, like, like a, a crumbling manor house. Yeah, <laughs> he bought the house of Usher for her. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm, it's a fixer-upper. <laughs> a fixer-usher. Okay. Nice, okay. nice. Uh, all right, well... <laughs> It God, is some way to, no, that was perfect. I only wish I could do an Usher the Musician joke somehow on top of that. I guess I would say to that joke, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, so, but here, here at this, so it would have been, wouldn't it have been a much better movie if they got there and it turned out it was like a haunted mansion? Yes. And they had to deal with the ghosts <laughs> of the, like the previous yes. owners. But that doesn't happen. Or Christian Cray is like, I don't actually have all this money yet. I was told that I would only inherit it if I stayed a night in this house. <laughs> <laughs> and the ghosts are rattling chains and stuff, and Christian's like, how do I get in on this? Yeah, He's like, I'm so the, turned on. The only, it's so hard to stay overnight in this mansion because I'm so The only way we're going to get into our various fraternities and sororities <laughs> is by staying a night in this haunted castle. But it's really our frat and uh, sorority sisters that are uh, are putting us up to the you know thing. But wait, is it really haunted? Who know? We'll get to it. <laughs> Except we won't, because that's because the only ghost they're haunted <laughs> by happen. are the ghosts of Christian's past. Uh, so they go to this forest mansion, and who's there already? The ghost but, of girlfriend's past. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. is who's there already? Is you guessed it, famous architect Gia Matteo. <laughs> now Gia Matteo has two characteristics. She is an architect with a very modern style, and she does mm-hmm. not like this objectively beautiful old house. She wants to tear it down and build something modern. Her other characteristic is she has breasts, which everyone remarks upon, yeah. as if they are the 18th wonder <laughs> of the world. As if she's Dolly Parton or and something. <laughs> she's very pretty, but these are not such amazingly, you know, memorable breasts. Like it's, I they, feel like everyone maybe, ta- maybe she, they were like, well, her defining characteristic is she's blonde, but we already have... <laughs> three other side characters that are flawed. <laughs> that they ever the characters all talk about like are they real? Have you seen those things? People, you can't take your eyes off them and it's like I the whole scene went by without me noticing her breast once. I got to say that. <laughs> and if Dan's <laughs> and I'm not a noticing, yeah, come on. <laughs> it was so it's just it's a little bit like if it's you had a character who was 5'8 and everyone was like what's with the dwarf? Hey, how about that midget over there? And it's like, well, he's not tall. But he's not like abnormally short. I don't like it's a weird thing to call. And also not cool. <laughs> and it's also not cool to use those words to describe somebody. But anyway, uh, so Gia Matteo wants to tear down this house, but Anna wants to keep it. And Christian says, "Whatever my wife says goes." And Gia Matteo does not like this. She pulls rank on her and also gives her a clear "stay away from my man" message. Because mm-hmm. Gia Matteo did touch Christian's wrist once while talking to him. Which in this, it's the weird thing where it's like, look, my husband and I routinely. Push the boundaries of erotic pleasure. Do not touch his wrist, please. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that level of, of affection. Yeah. I mean, this is just one of the many scenes in which, though, Anastasia is trying to assert her agency. Uh-huh. Whereas, I mean, through much much of the movie, she is having agency taken away from her by her husband. Oh, uh, okay. And, that is yeah. the, and the series is 
her is the power dynamic between her and Christian. Yes. Where he's always, we all remember when he ordered a steak for her in a restaurant. Uh, and she <laughs> said, no, I'd like a salad, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in the second movie, I believe. Uh, but in this one, yeah, she is, you're right. Anna is coming into her own as a, as a human. One steak for my girlfriend and cut it up a real small place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Go Just on. blend it into a smoothie, please. <laughs> yeah. Now pour it over my face and let her lick it off me. <laughs> I was remarking, though, Christian has always been an asshole in this series, but he seems even more of an asshole now that he's her husband. Yeah. Like, he, he just really seems like an abuser, like an emotional abuser. And, like, we were watching this on Elliot's computer, as I said before, and because my ears are bad and the speakers aren't great, uh, we put the Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm glad, that, I'm glad that he snuck in a burn on your computer. <laughs> yeah, well, nice. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm like 50-50, my ears, your speakers. Uh, but uh, I w- the speakers on MacBooks are not amazing. Yes. I didn't bring extra speakers with me. Yeah, I mean, so, it's not like you were bragging about how great your speakers were. <laughs> I wasn't like, dudes, check out the fidelity on this. <laughs> it really, the lows are so low and the highs are so high. The point the is. dialogue the- is so clear. And Dan was like, what? These speakers are garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. an old man. I can't hear things. Put the put the words on the screen. What's that? Yeah, the point is we had subtitles. Make it like one on. of my favorite cartoon books. Started, are like like Snuffy Smith. Then he started doing this talk to the hand bit. And we're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you, yeah. What do you do? Yeah, Dan was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, and snapping his fingers, and we were like, what character are you right now, Dan? <laughs> I thought you were a prospector. <laughs> <laughs> You're so kind to so kind to like street smart prospects, or I don't get it. Uh, point is, who's maybe gay? <laughs> the subtitles were on, uh, so <laughs> the the, the de- captions, the captions, and the number of times the captions under Christian is just <laughs> scoffs <laughs> was amazing. Like he, Christian is constantly scoffing at everything that Anastasia does. Yeah, he's a real he's a scoffer. He doesn't he. He like he he seems like one of those guys who's like we're married. That means I legally own you now. Yeah, and I don't mean there's nothing likable about Christian. Okay, now that she gets to drive the fancy car now though, because she's the boss when it comes to Gia Matteo, which also sounds like a car. <laughs> like if you said, oh yeah, I got the 2017 Gia Matteo, I'd be like, that sounds like a car to me. Sounds like that car's got great breasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to drive when you're distracted by the car's breasts. Uh, And she's driving so fast, even Christian's a little scared. But then uh, they lose the security detail, and an SUV starts trailing them for an incredibly low-stakes chase. It's like, hey, guys, you ever seen that movie Bullet? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what if this was not Bullet, and instead it was a very slow, boring car chase? So it's almost like a slow bullet. Hey, you know that movie Ronin? (laughs) This would be like (laughs) Nonin. Sorry, I stepped on your slow bullet joke, which was great. (laughs) For my very stupid joke. Uh, Anyway, they they lose their, their... Pursuer, and I mean, if this movie was uh, like Ronin, it'd be called Bonin. By the way, <laughs> no, it would be Bonin like a verb or bone in, like a steak. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> like, like a, a ribeye. <laughs> okay, uh, so what if there was a porn version of Ronin called Bonin? Uh huh. Sure. It was produced by a guy under the pseudonym John Fuckenheimer. Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> and it starred Robert DePino. Okay. Oh. Go on. Any more? Uh, who else is in that movie? <laughs> Jean Reno. Uh, so that would be okay. Okay. And the and the, uh, and the wait, guy who has the, <laughs> has the be... elaborate diorama of miniature samurai soldiers. It's all going to be tiny little naked people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's Bone in the porn version of Ronan. If Ronan had been a bigger hit, I assume it would happen. But uh, speaking of porn in cars, they are so turned on by this car chase that they just have sex in their car parking lot. Okay, they I mean, just have seems, sex in the car in a parking lot. That seems pretty standard. Yeah. And uh, 
they think a woman was driving that SUV, but they don't know who it was for I mean, sure. I mean, isn't there people having sex in a car in a parking lot in Tango and Cash? I mean, that yeah, that's yeah. true. In the crossed. trunk, they get into the trunk in a parking garage. <laughs> is that the one like, like weird nude moment? That yes, is, I don't like, know totally if I'd say it's every weird. It's pretty movie natural. Has the one gratuitous shot of nudity for no reason. Yeah, just like in Commando when he what they burst into a hotel room where two people are filming themselves having sex. Uh, my favorite is in. Demolition Man, where oh, the, that's the best. Yeah. The woman just <laughs> phone, video phones Stallone on accident, and oh, she's naked. So yeah, awesome. cold calls him, yeah. and it's literally like it is. That is the least. It's not at least in these other movies. There's an action scene going on, and they like barge in on people having sex. This is literally like this nude woman is barging into the action movie. <laughs> I love the idea. I, I love this terrifying vision of the future where, of course, <laughs> as soon as this technology is developed, everyone's going to be accidentally nude calling people. It's a, yeah. it, it posits a future where people no longer use toilet paper because there's a better technology. We have video phones, and yet people don't have contact lists in their phones. <laughs> they still have to dial random numbers. So it's like this far future world where you still have a little book that you flip through to get to someone's phone number. Yeah. That's right. In the future, everyone is my mother-in-law who still uses one of those little books of phone numbers. It's uh, Yeah, it's all written on Taco Bell stationery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Uh-oh, they're in trouble. Someone was chasing them. Time to take some time out for Anna to sensually wash Christian's hair in preparation to give him a haircut. Because <laughs> as if it wasn't clear enough that he is a baby to her, she is now cutting his hair, something parents do for their kids. The haircut never happens. No, because she goes to get scissors and she finds in his desk, what did she find, Dan? A gun? A gun. Which a in some ways is more effective than scissors, but maybe not for the task at hand. No, I mean, you'd need so many bullets to individually shoot each hair off. I mean, I feel like if you shoot the right hair, all the rest are just going to pop off. <laughs> when they're fear. scared. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's get out of here, boys. And she's like, that's right. Let that be a lesson to the rest of you. Uh, it's the gun that he took from his stalker, Lila, when she pulled it on Anna in the in the last movie, no, oh, it's all tied together. It's all tied together. Remember, Neat in that, little bow. as as uh, Chekhov once said, if you introduce a gun in the second movie in your sex trilogy, it has to show up in the third movie of your sex trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people don't know that Chekhov's famous sex trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Cherry Orchard, The Seagull, and Uncle Vanya yeah. originally had a lot more sex in them. I, I, I was going to go there, too, but I could only think of one Chekhov play offhand, and I was very mad at myself. What was it? The Seagull. Oh, so you know what? He... I'm mad that I didn't think of Three Sisters, the one that most sounds like it could be a porn movie. Yeah. And did he have enough time uh, in his off time on the Enterprise to write those? Or Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, he was so busy. I'm literally the first person in all of history to make that. To ever, I right? mean, it was literally a sketch on Viva Variety, <laughs> the Comedy Central show with Thomas Lennon and, and Ben Garant and Kerry Kenny, where they had where they had uh, Walter Koenig in a scene from a Chekhov play, <laughs> and it turned into him fist fighting a Klingon at the end of it. But uh, remember that show? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Johnny Blue Jeans. Yeah, Johnny Blue Jeans. He sang that song. Uh, uh, Pac-Man Fever, or whatever it was. <laughs> it's a good, good show. Yeah, or like I Love You, Miss Pac-Man. Pac-Man Fever was a real song. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was called I Think I Love You, Miss Pac-Man. That they had the so- uh, he had a song that he sang on it called I Just Want to Make Out with You, Babe. And there, he has there's some line in it about Let's go over there to the darkest corner of the roller rink. <laughs> I always thought that was such a funny detail. Okay, guys, but well, let's get back to this. Uh, Lila, is she going to show up? No, she doesn't. 
We find out pre-orders for Boys Fox's new book are huge. We never hear about Boys Fox ever again. And <laughs> and Anna's friend Kate invites her out to dinner. But Christian was like, go straight home. I'm worried for your safety. And Kate's like, nuh-uh. Or Anna's like, nuh-uh, I'm going to go hang out with my bestie. And Kate tells her that Hyde had a bunch of files about the Gray family. And it's one of those things where it's like, why do you know this? Mm-hmm. Like, what? And now Kate is... Her friend. It's not Christian's sister, right? Christian's sister is Mia. Mia. And but Kate is dating Christian's brother, Elliot. Yes. I believe so. Okay. The side characters in this are so boring and their uh plots are so inconsequential and they're given like although we do spend quite a bit of time talking uh with Elliot and Kate, right? Uh, eventually, yeah. yeah. But for no reason. <laughs> so they have a they have a lovely dinner with multiple martinis. I think it's not really a dinner so much as just martinis. I mean, there's a liquid, liquid she, dinner. She, yeah, liquid. She, she literally says to the waiter, she goes, just keep the martinis coming. And I imagined a sorcerer's apprentice type scenario. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, pro- I will do as programmed. And he's bringing them hundreds of martinis to the point where they're just it fills the room with martinis. Yeah. <laughs> they have to drink it all. It's like Lucy in the chocolate factory. They got to down them as fast as they arrive. And then they die of alcohol poisoning. Fifty Shades of Dead. Uh, so then Christian has to travel to the land of the dead and retrieve Anastasia and not look back or else no. scare her ghost back into Hades clutches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 50 shades of Orpheus. Uh, so Anna comes home. So it's a weird thing for her friend to be like, yeah, and it's weird that your old boss had all those files on the grays on his computer. Why would she know that? It's yeah. just the character yeah. needs information at that moment. Anna goes home and who's there? Hide. Bump, bump. He attacks her with a knife. The security guys save her, and the police come, and they find that there was a note that Hyde had that says, you owe me a life. Bump, bump, bump. Is it possible? The, the other shoe drops. The cosmic balance has been thrown out of whack. Yeah. I will say, with all the, we were talking about how there's all the, and uh, someone mentioned on Twitter once that we say, I will say a lot on this podcast, and I'm noticing <laughs> it a lot now. Uh, but something I want to say is, watching this movie and having all the stuff with Kate and Elliot and Mia, characters I've seen in the past movies, but I didn't remember and I don't mm-hmm. remember the relationships. I was like, this is what it's like when people who don't pay attention to comic books have to watch Avengers movies. Yeah. Where it's like, how am I supposed to remember who all, how are these people are connected? How can you not remember that Bucky was Cap's sidekick and then he got frozen and he thought he was dead, but he's the Winter Soldier. And and why is the entire audience in this theater performatively laughing every time that character says that thing? I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, so it's there's it. I'm like, now I understand what it's like. I've seen how the other half lives. The other half because society is divided into two halves, Avengers fans and Fifty Shades of Grey fans. (laughs) Okay. And never the twain shall meet. It's the coming civil war. (laughs) Although a prophecy speaks of a child of both worlds. (laughs) (laughs) We'll bring them together in the biggest crossover event in human history, Fifty Shades of Infinity War. I think it's Infinity Shades of Grey, by the way. Oh, that would be better. Yeah, Infinity Shades of Grey. Where what? Like (laughs) Christian Grey and Thanos team up or like what's – that's how they defeat him? Yeah, they team up to spank half the universe. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) Thanos, he gives Christian the gauntlet so he can use it to like tie somebody up real well. Yeah, yeah. We'll make half the universe doms and half the universe subs. (laughs) 
by which I mean like little like little Dom's the Italian <laughs> restaurant and some kind of sub sandwich place. So you can have fancy Italian and then you can have, you know, just street Italian. Oh wow, what a universe. <laughs> it's called it's called every borough of New York. <laughs> what a world. What a time to be alive. When so many varied varieties of Italian food restaurants are available in one city. <laughs> Truly, I've seen the future. But ask me not to reveal too much, or the vision is too beautiful for eyes such as yours. <laughs> you know, there's such a thin line between subs and pasta. <laughs> Let's explore it, won't we? Uh, so Christian gets upset. Uh, Anna tries to calm him down by having sex with him in the shower, but he rebuffs her and says, I can't. Uh-oh, Christian but, not in the but, mood. He must be mad. Before, before we move uh, move past this, what a shower, right, guys? <laughs> this oh, shower, boy, oh. it is like you are in a in an Amazonian rainstorm. <laughs> it's, it's like Christian saw an Irish spring commercial, and he's like, give me that waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> it does not have a shower head. It has a shower ceiling. <laughs> it's amazing, and it's like... You would never need it's it's part of the rich fantasy. Like I'm yeah. gonna waste so much water. I'm gonna this shower could fit several people in it. Who knows? Maybe Christian and I will do that someday. But until now, I'm just gonna use up thirty hundred <laughs> gallons of water. <laughs> sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna use enough water to transport a whale to SeaWorld in my <laughs> this shower. Yeah, unless like he has a side business where he gives showers to like packs of dogs. <laughs> That was the that, that was the crux business. of the gray fortune. Like we've invested in a number of things, but we can never lose sight of the original business: giving dogs showers <laughs> in packs for the bonding experience. That's, well, yeah, I mean, that's why we make so much away. That's why we make so much money. We're a volume business. Yeah. Now uh, everyone. <laughs> uh, so what a lot of people don't know is GDS Investments stands for Gray Dog Showers, the original company. Of course, we changed it to initials when we diversified into, uh, of course, shipping, manufacturing, oil, the entertainment business. But my old grandpa, Jedediah Gray, started with a nickel and a dog and one beaker of water. As he always said, there'll always be dirty dogs. (laughs) There's money in them dirty dogs, he said, because he would hide money inside the dogs. He was taken away later on in life. For a rainy day, he said. A rainy day would be the worst thing because God would be showering those dogs and no one would have to pay us for it. Uh, so anyway, uh, they make up later that night. They take a trip to the red room for some shackle sex, and uh, we learn that Christian has a selection of vibrators stored in a custom molded foam drawer. I mean, that so makes sense. Who did he hire to do that? I mean, has there been anything in these movies that would lead you to believe that he doesn't have that? That's drawer? that's a good point. What I like about it is it means he doesn't just have to open. When he opens the drawer, the vibrators don't just roll around banging into each other. <laughs> yeah. uh, he keeps stimulating her, then stopping to show her how frustrating she's been. To him and she's like I can't take it and she uses her safe word red and she's like that wasn't love that was punishment I don't like it and, cri- and he's what- like but I was mad at you but I'm mad and I only know how to express myself erotically <laughs> this is my means of expression which I mean I think Dan's seen a lot of movies where characters only can express themselves erotically <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you've written a lot right yeah that's right <laughs> I, I've written a series of erotic no- novels under my name Dane. Dane? Dane McCoy. (laughs) The Great Dane, they call me. Cool. Who calls you that? Uh, Well, mostly myself, but I'm hoping it catches on. 
like you're like you're like how about that Great Dane McCoy, huh? They should call him the Great Dane. Who is that? Oh, he's a famous he's a famous unpublished erotic fiction writer. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, there's only one Great Dane in my life. That's Dane Ironfoot, King of the Dwarves. <laughs> now, what is that from? The fucking Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay, dude. I don't. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't remember all the dwarves. <laughs> you don't know all the dwarves. I only know some of the dwarves. Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the other numbers. <laughs> Amelia Bedelia. He, he who cannot be named. <laughs> yeah, Amelia Bedelia. Grumpy, Sneezy. Uh, Ant Man, the Wasp. <laughs> I mean, technically, he's a dwarf at times. That's true. Ringo, uh, Pope Pius the Tenth, uh, mm-hmm. other groups of people. Peter Tork. <laughs> Peter Tork and Tork the movie. <laughs> Yeah, starring Adam Scott. <laughs> yeah, as Peter Tork. <laughs> the biopic everyone was asking for. Uh, it it's all takes place in his career after the monkeys, too. That's the amazing thing about him. Okay, so uh, he's, he, Christian says he doesn't know why Hyde has been keeping files on his family, and he had a bad dream that Anna was dead, and it's really been making him mad. <laughs> he said something, in the, I think he's, if I'm remembering correctly, and I could be remembering wrong, I think he said something about, like, you were dead and I couldn't do anything about it. It's like, yeah, no shit, dude, you can't bring people back from the dead. What is the, but like, Fifty Shades of Frankenstein could, all of a yeah. sudden? The, so There's gotta be, someone must have written some kind of Fifty Shades of Frankenstein where it's erotic fiction with a Frankenstein monster instead of a vampire, right? It must exist. Yeah, that's gotta exist I mean, I somewhere. guess that's just young Frankenstein that I think about it. I, I guess. I mean... Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, sorry, sorry, Stuart. That was. I, I apologize. I went on that that dead end road. <laughs> I was. Just, I mean, I was just clarifying that this was about the point where we had to pause the movie because we were watching in the green room uh-huh. of a synagogue, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I, I I missed some of this stuff. Okay. Then, well, all you know, he's worried about Anna, and they're fighting. The, okay. And this marriage, the honeymoon is over, guys. Uh huh. They're dealing with the reality of the real pressures that a marriage is under, such as. Worrying that a stalker is your old enemy is stalking your wife and that she might kill her. Worrying that you're not meeting the very elaborate checklist of erotic needs uh-huh. that you've presented to her. Also, that she won't be your possession. That's a real pressure in a lot of marriages. And also, there's a worry that Gia Mateo might steal your man away or ruin your beautiful home. I mean, what? Look, Gia Mateo has it all. She has boobs that. People just can't stop talking about. And there's yeah. there's one thing on it's everybody's lips. It is even his It's in the newspapers all the time. It's it's a the hashtag, Aspen Courier. The thing on Aspen Twitter hashtag Gia's boobs have been really <laughs> has been really trending. And she's got that modern style that people love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all mm-hmm. glass and steel. It's easy to clean windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if it was like she's a real Frank Gehry type and. And Anna was like, you want to tear down this beautiful mansion and just make something that looks like a pile of crap just fell down? <laughs> wow, harsh take critique. That. <laughs> take that, Frank Gary. I don't like your move, your buildings. I would say your movies. I don't like your movies I'm sure you either. don't like his movies either. <laughs> it's just a bunch of, just a pile of frames sort of like <laughs> strung together. Guess I'll return this Lego set based on Frank Gary's buildings. I'll, I have a Lego set based on Frank Gary's buildings. Every Lego set before you put it together. <laughs> uh, Anna dreams that... Oh, oh so... Uh, so they're worried. At work, Christian calls Anna. This is when he calls himself your boss's boss's boss, which is gross, mm-hmm. and says it's time for a surprise vacation to Aspen. She gets on their private plane. All her friends are there. Yay. He's like, hey, I understand. You said you wanted to spend time with your friends and not just be a prisoner of my sex apartment. Let's. I'm going to instead imprison all of your friends <laughs> yeah. and take them with us <laughs> you, to my Aspen sex your, house. You can see your friends under my terms now. <laughs> yeah. um, 
This is, and we, he's like, you bought this vacation. We should take it. Because last movie, remember, she bid in the charity oh, auction on the Gray's Aspen house. Uh, they that was go, before balls got stuck in somebody's holes, right? Uh, that was after. Okay. He had, he had already put balls in her holes. Okay. And then she was wearing them during the auction. Oh, he was right. Like, like in the ugly truth. They made a big, yes. They made a big, except in the ugly truth. It was those, vibrating panties Those vibrating, vibrating, vibrating panties, the remote control of which falls into the hands of a child. Those drive her mad with desire. <laughs> and she's so flustered. In this one, he he puts Benoit balls in her and is like, just watch out. And her entire reaction is, oh. Like that's it. <laughs> like it's it, it the same the same titter of mild amusement of a New Yorker cartoon <laughs> is what this erotic adventure has has, come, has elicited. Now, how do you get those things out? A plunger. Okay. <laughs> you, you use a little plunger. Right. You you throw a, a mini tantrum and jump up and down. I want like that. Okay, so they go to the house, and Christian, at this moment, seals my understanding of him as the world's worst man, the world's biggest asshole, by surprising everyone with an impromptu piano recital as he sings Maybe I'm Amazed, mm-hmm. accompanying himself. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. This is it. I have never been in a situation ever where I've been in a social setting, and someone has started unsolicited, started playing music, and I've been like, this is making it better. I love this. (laughs) Hey, you know how we were all hanging out, having a good time talking? Now we have to stop so that you can strum along on your acoustic guitar and sing that one song from college everyone knows the words to? Thanks, everybody. Uh, But, Dan, it's still okay if you give them that as a wedding gift. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, Dan, I'm not talking about you. You're the great Dane. You can get away with it. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, when when Dan does it, it's a totally different thing. It's ma- it's music and magic, and uh, and and <laughs> Dane McCoy, music and magic, twelve new tracks. <laughs> it's his concept album. <laughs> every, every every track is a trick. <laughs> trick is how I get you to pay for my music. <laughs> um. So, but this, they're like, we've never heard Christian <laughs> sing before. And it's just like, come on, dude, get over yourself. He's got to be the center of attention all the time. Anna dreams she's on her honeymoon, but it's with Hyde. Ah! But she gets over it by having ice cream kitchen sex with Christian. He, uh-huh. She's just, she's just dri- dripping ice cream all over him and then licking it off. And it seems, that's one of those things that seems like it would be in real life less sexy than like sticky and kind of. Uncomfortable. Yeah, I've never understood the whole food sex thing. It's just like, uh, I'll I'll do something that's cleaner, please. It's like, hey, you know what I've always wanted in my pubic hair? Sticky things. Yeah. Sure, let's do that. But that's why, guys, maybe I learned this the wrong way. That's why you're totally shaved down there. It's why, one, I'm totally shaved, and two, I've stopped my molasses sex play. Uh-huh. Where, one, the dripping takes so long. It takes forever for it to run down your body. And so you're just standing there waiting, getting cold, because, of course, it's... Uh, it's cold molasses because you don't want it to drip so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. What it's, about the sex play where you rub school paste all over yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's delicious. Yeah. And so causes that, no so, anal blockage. So that, so that that one weird kid can can lick it off yeah. you, the one who's always eating the paste? Uh-huh. Damn, that's weird. Uh, so <laughs> while they're having this lovely sex, they also knock over their de- decorative bowl of apples that I'm assuming was set up by like a housekeeper. I assume so. And and that represents the loss of innocence. Oh, mm. that makes sense. Yeah. And knowledge, throwing knowledge on the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they've taken the fruit of the tree of knowledge and they've said, no, thank you. And slammed it into the ground. We'll be enjoying this American dream. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you think that's what it was? It was some kind of Ben and Jerry's that she was eating? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're super wealthy, right? Or maybe it was like. I don't know. What's what's a fancy ice cream, Dan? Um, 
With probably, ice probably cream? Probably something called gelato. Like some kind like of gelato. gelato kind, yeah. yeah. Is it maybe it was just briars? It was maybe it was just briars. <laughs> it was it was she she what she did was she took the outsides off of a uh, off of a Weight Watchers tofuti cutie. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, it's a skinny count. The uh, <laughs> he and the best part is when he finds her in the kitchen. He goes he he walks in there. He goes straight to the refrigerator, <laughs> and she surprised him. And he's like, "Hey, I was looking for you, like in the refrigerator." <laughs> I know how sometimes when you get upset, you climb into the crisper. <laughs> he's like, "I've forgotten how large you were." <laughs> I thought you were little and also maybe a head of lettuce. I was reading this article online about women in refrigerators, and I think I may have misunderstood it. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, you're not milk. You're over here. Uh, so they have sex. Christian's detective slash bodyguard. He tells Christian all the inside info they've been able to dig up on Hyde, such as he went to Princeton. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also worked at other publishers. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, great. So this guy did the minimum amount of research. They also found out. He has some former blackmail in his past. He le- he used to tape himself having sex with women and then blackmail them with the video. He's also an okay, Ivy. Okay, so he got a little bit of juicy deets. Yeah, and also that he was in and out of foster homes in Detroit. And Christian goes, oh, me too. I was also. Funny old world, huh? <laughs> <laughs> What's the, what are the odds? Huh? What, what a coinky dink. Yeah, coinky dink. People still say that, I, I think. I guess it is a small world. Um, Anna goes dress shopping with her friends. She buys... Admittedly, a very attractive, sexy dress. Her friend walks out wearing the dowdiest red dress, and everyone's like, ooh, girl, whoa, watch <laughs> out, too hot, hot stuff. It feels very much like the uh, like they're intentionally dressing her to make Aunt Anna's dress look sexier. Yeah, I think you're right. That's Or the other thing is they're trying to get Kate to, like, get out of her shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they're pretending that her kind of mom wear is very sexy to acclimate <laughs> no, her to that. really so, granular about so, this dress. So while, while Kate is wearing this trash bag, <laughs> Anna looks out the window and sees Anna's boyfriend, no, sees Elliot. Kate's boyfriend, Elliot. Oh, shit. Christian's brother. Anna's boyfriend is her husband, Christian <laughs> Gray, the titular Gray. It's nice to know that they kind of still consider themselves boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, you know what? They're lovers, they're best friends, they're boyfriend, girlfriend, and they're married. Because just because you get married doesn't mean the love goes away. That happens when you have children. No, just kidding. That doesn't happen either. Uh, She looks out the window and sees, she sees uh, Kate's boyfriend, Elliot, Christian's brother. And who's he hugging? Dan, who is he hugging? Gia Mateo. That's right. Gia Mateo, the queen of Aspen. Gia Mateo, whose boobs have dominated many men. (laughs) They go to a hot Aspen club that night where the topic of conversation on everyone's lips is Gia Mateo's boobs. Uh, And... Elliot seems to know a lot about her background, and we're like, uh-oh, Elliot seems to have something on his mind, and he does. He proposes to Kate, and we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, right there in front of her. And uh, and Anna's like, what do I do? What do I do? I think he might be having an affair with Mateo since I saw them hugging once in the most chaste meeting of souls I've ever yeah. seen on a, st- on a city street. <laughs> um, don't worry, guys. Uh, that doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't go anywhere. So there's a little bit of club dancing. There's a shot of a DJ that made Elliot say, what the fuck? <laughs> this guy has the dumbest hair. I mean, I'll give them credit. They went all out with the character design for this DJ. I guess they went to they went to Lucasfilm and had one of the, their guys work on it. Because it's like, as everything in this movie is so bland looking, except for this one DJ. I have to assume that he, he was like, I'm playing a DJ in Aspen. I'm going to. I want to be remembered for this role. And I was so instantly like, who is this guy? What's his story? I've never been, I watched a whole movie about DJs. We are your friends. And I was not as interested as I am in this one guy we see for a second, but uh, (laughs) he looks ridiculous. Uh, 
Anna and Christian uh, continue their intense sex schedule to the point that she can't even pay attention at work because she's so busy thinking about their sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, The police officer who arrested Hyde comes in and tells her, hey, Hyde says that you and him were having an affair and that you destroyed his career because you're like a crazy bitch. And everyone knows Hyde is a bad dude, but he's going to tell the story to get bail. So see ya. And she's like, can't you stop him? He's like, I can't say anything. I just have to follow what, what people say. <laughs> I'm an impartial observer. <laughs> as, Ignore as, me. As Gort, the enforcer robot from the day <laughs> the earth stood still. I cannot make these judgments, Human. <laughs> I can only enforce the law of the spaceways. <laughs> if you continue to extend your violence, this earth of yours shall be reduced to a burnt out cinder. Gotta go. See ya. Clad tuber on a Nick T. He's like, but if you're really sweating it, he's having his bail hearing today. You can go see it. You should go see it. She's like, well, I don't really have to work, right? The the uh, she goes, she doesn't have to work. So the judge is like, Mister Hyde. One, you have an evil name. Two, that story sounds crazy. You seem like a ridiculous monster of a man, but your record's good, so I'll set bail at five hundred thousand dollars. And because everyone in the movie is rich, he makes bail. No problem. Yeah. yeah, and meanwhile, she's in the back watching this dressed like a grieving widow from a mob film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all black. black. It's one of the things where she dresses to be inconspicuous but sticks out so much more than yeah. she just wore regular clothes. And Hyde again gives her a wink as he walks by her. She is so upset, she throws up. And or, guys, uh, that's the moment when Stuart obviously guessed the cliche because she's not throwing up from fear. She's throwing up from a baby in that belly. Stuart was like, oh, is she pregnant? I was like, no way. They're not going to do that next scene. Her OB is like, hey, you're pregnant. <laughs> and that was when Elliot denied making a bet with me and that he I was going to bet me $100 a bet. dollars no, that no, she no, was no. pregnant, 100 American <laughs> you, dollars. I said, no way. And you said, if she turns out to be pregnant, you owe me $100. And I said, I, American I, I thought you said, 100, you said, you have to give me 100 of your American dollars. That's the quote. And I said, no, I don't agree to that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there was something in your eyes that was implicit to agreeing with my, my Well, I didn't plan. say my bet safe word, which is red. Uh, she goes to her, and this is a real show of how rich she is. She can get a same day of with her gynecologist, am I right, fellas? Uh, I mean, I don't I have guess any, so. I don't I mean, really know about gynecologists. All my experience with doctors is bad. <laughs> Trust so. me on this one. Okay, guys, she's pregnant uh, because she stopped taking her at her uh, uh, her shots for her contraception, mm-hmm. or she forgot. Christian is upset. He says he's not ready to be a father, and it's like, no shit, dude. Look at you. You're like this. You're like this sex obsessed baby man. Uh, he comes back drunk, and when he is drunk. He is the least charming man in the history of the world. Uh, this was a realistic moment for me where it's like, oh, when Christian Grey is drunk, he is just like every sloppy, drunk asshole dude. Well, he's a man who's all about control, Elliot. So when he gets drunk, he loses control. Oh, I guess that's the heart, the real pain that he likes to inflict is on himself because he's forcing himself to play this role. Yeah. He's caught in handcuffs on the inside mm. because he put handcuffs uh, on his intestines. Oh, wow. <laughs> also his emotions. Commitment. The real shackles are the ones you can't see. Just kidding. They're the ones that people get put in. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he's upset, he tells her, because babies mean no sex. And he goes, you'll see. You'll choose him over me. Which is, I mean, that's one a number of relationships, I think, have to deal with that emotional subtext of, I used to be the center central figure in your life, and now this child is the central figure in your life. Yeah. And we have to work to keep our relationship alive. But there's also the weird undercurrent of, like, you're going to start having sex with that baby and not with me. (laughs) It's like, that's a weird way to go, Christian. He kind of had that relationship when he was a young man with his mom's friend. That's true, with his mom's best friend, Kim Basinger. 
as herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, she puts him to bed, and she sees that he got a text from who else but Kim Basinger so there's, saying that he hung out with her that night. There is no world where Christian Grey has the text displayed when texts show up on his phone. No way. Mr. Secrets? Yeah, come Yeah, a on. man who has multiple locked rooms in his house. <laughs> <laughs> that his housekeeper doesn't know about? Yeah. Which means that Christian Grey has to go in and clean that room himself. Uh, ew, that's going to be the dirtiest room in the house. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I guess, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you haven't seen his bathroom. Okay. And she goes, she doesn't want to share a bed with him. So she goes and she rec- curls up to sleep in the red room, thus making literal his fear. Their yeah, sex room has become just for sleeping. The prophecy is complete. <laughs> As was foretold, <laughs> decades past. By the wise ones. The next morning, while dressing, Anna and Christian have, I have to say, a fairly realistic couple fight. And uh-huh. the thing that makes it the most realistic is that Anna's getting dressed while they're doing it. It's And as Stuart goes, this is how it starts. Casual nudity. <laughs> yeah, their nudity no longer arouses them. It's just a, a fact to be admitted to. But like... It's- there's it's like, don't look now. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it is kind of like, don't look now. Like, there's nothing sexy about this scene. She's just very matter-of-factly getting dressed. And I was like, okay, that's a realistic thing in a marriage. Like, how when I saw Don't Look Now as a teenager, I was, like, blown away by, oh, when you're married, you'll just brush your teeth naked in front of your wife or your husband, and it's not a sexy thing. It's just mm-hmm. like, you've you've reached that level of comfort where you're just like, whatever, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were also blown away about how it's the dumbest movie ever made. How, aside from those the scenes of their marriage, uh, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. so angry. And it's not scary. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> when, when people, it like, I feel like Don't Look Now, and I'm just going to say it too, Eyes Without a Face, are two movies, they're not bad movies, they have their good things about them, but people are like, you know what my favorite horror movie is? Eyes Without a Face. Like, you mean the not scary movie? I think my favorite horror movie is Don't Look Now. And it's like, okay, so you're just trying to sound artsy I'm like, and cool. I'm, I'm not going to look now with that movie you just said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like both of those movies. They're and both fine movies, but they are not. Eyes Without a Face scary. made me wish that I didn't have eyes in my face. <laughs> uh, right? Any uh, any more good ones? Yeah, those uh, are pretty good, right? Yeah. Anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet them. I'll tweet those. <laughs> yeah, tweet those. <laughs> Hashtag extra jokes. It'll make sense when the episode comes out. Uh, so. Uh, the next morning, they have that fight. She really digs into his mommy abandonment issues. Because as you remember, Christian's birth mother was, what, like a drug addict? Yeah. And she was, wait a minute, she was killed in front of him, right? Or am I thinking of Dexter? Uh, <laughs> like, well, I think that's Dexter. Because Dexter was found in a in a shipping container full of blood, right? Yeah. By James Remar. So yeah. wait, so. With I, his brother, who's also a serial killer. Yes, that's right. Uh, but it, because everyone has a serial killer brother when you're a genius killer. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, no, I mean, so, it's Miami, the Miami uh, Miami world of serial killers. They have so many serial killers per capita, according yeah. to that show. Uh, so he was, because he had a, his, his birth mother was a drug addict. He went into foster care and was adopted by the Greys and this rich life. So he has a lot of mommy abandonment issues. Jack Hyde calls Anna out of nowhere, says, I kidnapped Christian's sister Mia, and uh, I want $5 million in two hours or else I'm going to kill her. I was supposed to be Christian Grey. He owes me a life. I'm not going to explain that right now. Forget I brought it up. Never mind. I'm working through something. She slips away from her bodyguard, who is the so bad at keeping track of her. Mm-hmm. She goes, hey, meet me in the library, a library which has <laughs> almost no books in it. It's a pool room. It has a pool table. Let me say this. You should, uh, if it should be the if you, billiards room, If right? you call the room that has a pool table, no books, a library, you might be a dumb rich person. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I've been in people's houses like that where they're rich and they have a pool table. This is your white collar comedy tour. This is my, my this is my one percent comedy tour. <laughs> if you're if you got a lot of books in your house but you've never actually opened them, you might be a dumb rich person. <laughs> and uh, I was at uh, this was a relative's house and they had all these leather bound classics of literature and I was like, oh, this is a great book and I took one down and opened it and heard the telltale crack of a book that had never been opened before. <laughs> They're gonna say it was like cut out and there's a flask inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's like a Charlie Brown's restaurant, and they just slice the spine off a book and glued it to the wall, yeah, to make it look like a library full of books. But it was like this moment of like I'd never heard. It was like a it was like a crack of thunder from the heavens. The sound of this un, unread copy of Don Quixote that had never even been paint, flipped through. But anyway, uh, taught me a lot about my relatives. Anyway. She escapes her bodyguard. The bodyguard's like, oh, I'll meet you in the library. She just leaves while he's going there. And then he's calling. He's like, she got away as he watches her get into her car and drive off. Mm-hmm. And he's like going, fuck. Oh, fuck. She got away. Like, he's You're so unprofessional. Like, like, wow, calm down. Calm down, Sawyer. <laughs> uh, and she goes to the bank. The banker calls Christian. Uh-oh. She can't even write a check for $5 million to get cash. For cash, no questions asked right away. But Hyde told her, don't tell Christian about what's going on. So she can't tell him. Christian thinks that Anna is leaving him and is taking his money. And which, it, which Anna could kind of that wouldn't, I mean, it's would not be a, understandable. He's a yeah. bad husband. But, but when he says like, are you leaving me? She could just say no at that point. Well, she's very upset that she's in this position. I think she is so overcome with emotion that she can't even talk. Like mm. she, if she was thinking straight, she'd say, no, something's going on. I have to tell you about it. But she's that her marriage has gotten to the point where her husband, her new husband can conceive that she is now leaving him yeah. because things have gotten so bad between them that they have no future and that she's leaving him because she's pregnant and that he refuses to be a father to a baby. I can see how she would be so upset that she can't think she can't really find the words in that moment. And I describe the moment much more powerfully than it is presented in the film. Yes. I have to say, but, uh, and the Christian in a great show of releasing control, this is his big moment says to the banker, do whatever my wife tells you. Even if, even if she is leaving him, then He's going to do it. But then he gets in his car and he's like, Anna's in trouble. we got to figure something out. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Uh, and he starts tracking her with her phone, which is – Because she takes uh, she takes the bank manager's phone. <laughs> yeah, she goes, tells the bank manager, I need to use the emergency exit. Can you give me your phone? And the bank manager's like, these rich fucking clients that I have to do everything for. Like it's a real – you get this little glimpse into Christian Gray's relationship with his banker, which is probably like a Trump-Michael Cohen type thing. Where it's like, you're my guy. You're on call all the time, and you always have to debase yourself for me. So it's like, Christian's like, hey, you're the only guy who knows that I spend most of my money on crazily expensive sex toys. <laughs> I need you to buy a stained glass dildo in your name so that I can – I'll pay you back for it, but I can't have my name on it because I'm famous. And he's and the banker's wife is like, Waylon, because his last name is Waylon. Waylon, why are you – Waylon Jennings. We don't have this kind of money. Why are you spending it all on on antique sex toys? And he's like, oh, no, I like using them with my mistress, I guess, honey. <laughs> I can't reveal the identity of my biggest client. Anyway, she the guy Hyde says, give your phone to the driver. There's a car waiting for you. The waiting car is being driven by Liz, her coworker who doesn't like her. She gives him. She gives Liz though the banker's phone, which Liz discards by <laughs> dropping it in a puddle uh, mm. in an alleyway. So Christian can still track her phone because that's uh, not creepy to track thank, your spouse's phone. Thank God that bank manager's phone got ruined. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is now he's like, oh, that was my phone. <laughs> uh, I had so many games on that. Uh, Anna goes to drop off the money with Hyde. 
Hyde starts really beating her up badly and kicks yeah. her in the tummy. And she pulls out the gun and shoots him in the knee. And then the police show up. <laughs> and so... The, so uh, a, lot of, a lot of action is packed into the last 20 or so minutes of this film. She shoots yeah, him after the, literally nothing happening for the rest of it. She shoots him with the gun that showed up in movie two. Uh-huh. Oh, it all ties together. And you see, that gun was pointed at her because of Christian's old lover. Uh-huh. Now she's owned that and she's repurposed oh, that weapon, cool. and she's okay. found her own power source, which yeah. is a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and they all show up. They, they save the sister. Uh, there's a teary hospital bed reunion. Yeah. And she and uh, yeah. after Christian talks to his mom, Marsha Gay Harden, in her one scene in the movie, and she says, oh, no, Anna would never leave you. She loves you too much, and she's tenacious. Uh, and <clears> Christian <throat> reveals that Liz had had an affair with Hyde, and he was blackmailing her with a sex tape. Uh-oh. Uh, and... Anna tells Christian, you have to forgive your mother. That's the only way we're going to figure this out. And you're going to feel like you're going to, you have to forgive your mother and love her, your birth mother and love her unconditionally the way this baby is going to love you unconditionally. And it's like, yeah, that's true. That baby is going to love me, even though he is going to be objectively a terrible dad. Yeah. Like he's yeah. Gonna, and not because of the sex stuff, just because he's a self-centered asshole. Um, then shocking, shocking turn of events. Christian and Anna learned that Christian and Hyde were in foster care together. What? And so Hyde has always been mad that the Greys adopted Christian and not him. The Greys took him away in their spaceship? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and f- at first he was like, yeah, probe him. I don't want it. And then it turned out that the Greys were rich aliens. And he was like, no, probe me all you want. Give me the money. Give me that cheddar. Give me those credits. Give me those Astro Bucks. I need to buy some death sticks. <laughs> I, yeah, See, I guess that's, that's where the you thing, spend Dan, your Astro He's already developed a death stick problem. <laughs> yeah, age. That's, that's the problem with foster care. It's an indictment of the yeah. system. And uh, he's like, and Christian is like, I'm the I'm only me because I was adopted by rich people. What if I had turned out like Hyde? And she's like, you're a good man. You never would have turned out by Hyde. Mm, all evidence to the contrary. All, yeah, that you are a controlling monster. <laughs> and that's the thing about being a, a controlling person is that I'm assuming that works really well with children. Uh, being like, control. I mean, you do have to establish boundaries but i'm assuming like there's so much out of your control when raising a child all through a child's life yes. that being a control freak would that'll just drive you crazy yeah luckily he has learned to release some control oh okay by in- inviting another human being into his life that human being boys <laughs> boys <Boyce> fox, fox. <laughs> the, the literary works of boys fox uh, but christian still christian wanders in reading one of his books anna have you read these they're so good yes christian i edit them I, that, I told you all about them you should read this i think you'd like it i picked the font size i made it two points bigger oh it's so readable <laughs> that's, that's the anastasia touch uh He's, but he still can't cook. He tries to cook dinner and he burns a sauce and then just dumps it down the sink. Uh, and they then they go visit Christian's birth, mother, birth mother's grave in the rain. And that's the perfect segue into an electro pop montage of scenes from the past movies as we relive the arc of their relationship through all the helicopters, private jets, and yachts that they've driven on. We see Jeremy, uh, Jamie Dorn and uh, Christian Gray get pretty noticeably older. He, like, I didn't notice it until they brought those scenes in, but he is, uh, like, Anna does not change very much at all. But Christian has really, the hard living is, is starting to take a toll on him. Yeah. He's getting that puffiness, that Leonardo DiCaprio puffiness. Mm. Mm. Uh, and all the, on the eyes. Yeah. Great Dane puffiness. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you don't have to own everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rel- relinquish some control, Dan. Yeah, okay. come on. 
uh, Anna then texts Christian. They're back at home. Texts him to come to the red room while he's just noodling on the piano. And Christian comes in, uh, and she says, like, I'm at your pleasure, sir. And he comes in, and uh, he tells her. <laughs> Wearing his best jeans. Yeah, she has laid out his. <laughs> his, his sex jeans. His sex jeans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll, he's, he's. He he can't he can't do this without his with, without his Wranglers. <laughs> his fucking bugle boys. <laughs> his, his mom picked out for him. <laughs> his fucking Jenkos. <laughs> and now we're gonna shop in the husky section. Mom, I've lost weight. I don't know. You need to go to the husky section. Mom, anymore. I'm a grown man. I'll just shop in the regular sized man's department, not the husky boys department. <laughs> it's like when I was a kid, and uh, we would go to like TJ Fridays, and my dad would be like. Don't order the the adult size chicken fingers. I'm gonna get you two kids meals, and I'm like, I'm 15 years old, Dad. Like, can I get an adult meal? No, no, no. It's a dollar cheaper for me to get two kids chicken fingers. It's not as much food, Dad. It's the same amount of food. It's fine. Anyway, I'm still dealing with that with that trauma. But uh, <laughs> so Christian walks in and he tells her, "You're topping from the bottom," and I can live with that. Yeah, and it's like, oh, oh wow. now she his, is his the power. character arc is com- is complete, huh? So that's yeah. right. These three movies encompass basically the same thing as the second <laughs> half of Phantom Thread, where yeah. the dominating man has now become the subservient in spirit, despite being still dominant to the seemingly subservient woman in his relationship. That's what happened in Phantom Thread. Now yeah. you probably had my experience with Phantom Thread, where you fell asleep during it and had to rewatch the ending. Yeah, I assume that after he had that that poison stuff, he turned into a ghost, and he was a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and he started fighting crime as the ghost-themed tailor, the, the Phantom Thread. Yeah, he was slamming evil. <laughs> he was. It's it's his poster says embroider evil, and he's poking a needle at the camera. <laughs> Uh, and then, but there's a little, the credits start rolling, but up, uh, there's a little middle credit scene. Is he going to be part of the Avengers initiative? <laughs> no, we see that. They now have a toddler, and they're living at their old, crumbling, uh, hereditary manse mm-hmm. that he bought her, and they're a family, because... Until the old crone arrives at the doorstep. Because, like any Shakespeare comedy, no matter what happened in the plot, everything's okay as long as the hero and the woman pair bond and start a traditional family. Take that, William Shakespeare. Author of Fifty Shades Read. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying what's going to happen in the future to this family? What is there some kind of evil that's waiting for them? I mean, I think that's inevitable, right? Like you can't you can't reach this kind of uh, amazing happiness without some something dark from your past coming coming back to fruition. Like yeah. maybe his great grandfather uh, Jedediah Gray, uh, the creator of the the, the dog shower dog business. shower business. Yeah, yeah maybe this is uh, this is a person who he showered the dog so much all its. Uh, it just melted. It's just bones now? <laughs> yeah, it's just bones. Oh, uh, dear. So it's, and, a, it's a Winchester mystery house type yeah, thing? Yeah, so uh, bones that it became, so will you become bones too? That's the <laughs> the curse that she she spits at them before she turns into dust. <laughs> yeah, and the, and and, uh, and uh, that he's uh, she's like, from now on you'll do a different sort of boning than you're used to. <laughs> and then she turns on a black light and she's got a poster of two skeletons having sex. <laughs> yeah, because he's Jordan Peterson, Canadian academic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should move on, though. Okay. Yeah, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? Elliot, what do you think? I think 
I'm going to give it the faint praise of saying I think this is the best movie of the Fifty Shades series. I still okay. think it's a bad... No, you know what? I'm going to might call it a good bad movie. I'll tell you why. <sighs> One, there's a ton of sex in it. There's more sex in this movie than I think in the last two movies combined. And two, it's like somehow really goofy when it's trying to be super serious. Yeah. I don't know. And there's also a, there's a slightly less amount of just uh, rich people porn where it's just fancy things. There's still a lot of it, but you know what? Yeah, I might say good, bad movie because it's pretty stupid. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's good, bad movie. It uh, I've uh, somehow inexplicably I've developed an affection for this series. <laughs> <laughs> That's called Stockholm syndrome, Stuart. I don't know why. We need to take you to be deprogrammed. Looks like the real sub in this relationship is Stuart. <laughs> oh, okay, I guess uh, I await your pleasure, movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think it's good, bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's marginal for me, but I'll, I guess I'll go with the crowd and say good, bad. Uh, yeah, I, Dan, bow to the pressure. I like, I like how completely unimportant all of the supporting characters are and how, how much time is wasted on them. Oh, that's, I forgot to mention that. So Elliot proposes to Kate and then Christian and Anna are taking a bath together because they have an enormous bath that could fit William Howard Taft in it. And <laughs> she's like, I think that I'm worried that that Elliot might be having an affair with Gia Mateo. And he says, he probably did have sex with her at some point. He slept with half of Aspen. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but he loves Kate. Oh, okay, never mind then. And then Gia Mateo was never mentioned again. I think the uh, um, eventual implication is that Gia Mateo was just there to help pick out the ring. I think there was like a throwaway oh, line. Oh, they're in front of a jewelry store when they hug. Yeah, and Gia Mateo has impeccable taste. Because who knows Kate's tastes better than Gia Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> Famous tastemaker and bosom haver. <laughs> that you're right. I think that was probably and she that's right, because they hug and then she pats him on the face. Yeah. And Anna takes that to me and as they just had an affair, because that's what you do is you give someone a Aw, look at you, pat on the face yeah. after you have sex. But it's because she's like, oh, you're finally making a real, you're being a grown-up and you're getting married. That makes sense now. Okay, I missed that line. And now, so do you think those characters were introduced just so that the Fifty Shades cinematic universe can have the spin-off Gia Mateo movie, the Boyce Fox movie, there's the Hyde movie where he's part of a team of villains, like that mm, kind of stuff? Yeah, the yeah, the Fifty Shades initiative, I don't know. It's the Fifty Shades cinema, the FS. It's called, all, okay. it's all the Shades of Grey. All yeah. the Shades of Grey. Every last one. Because I kind of want to see those. Fin- like, yeah, I, Stuart, I feel like I kind of have a, this weird, horrifying affection for the series now, as stupid as it is. Friendly Fire is a war movie podcast, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to it. Boy, I'll say, you know, a lot of people, Ben and Adam, might not initially watch a war movie podcast. What's in it for me, they say. Yeah. I'll tell you what's in it for you. What's in it for you is a biting socio-political commentary, uh, scattered dick and fart jokes. (laughs) And a lot of history. Like, there's the depicted wars, but also the history of the time period that these films were made and released. They're very telling. So download Friendly Fire every Friday from your favorite podcatcher. Or MaximumFun.org. Friendship is tough, especially when you're constantly slaying carnivorous hell beasts bent on your destruction. Hey, make sure to clean the tub. I might actually need to shower today. Oh, don't give me that. You've been wearing the same pair of track pants since Tuesday. I mean, they still have the size sticker on the leg. Yeah, I do. Well, still, I was thinking today might be the day. Yeah, yeah. Ah, it's still alive! Kill it! 
I don't have any weapons! Get it with the shower head! Shit. My burrito got some gunk on it. But that's just Fairhaven. We make it work. Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. Hey, everyone. Because we recorded this um, the way we did, we did not have our ad copy in time to do the normal read. So it's another one of your favorite solo ad reads. Air horns, air horns. That's kind of like a weird, like, uh, like Edward G. Robinson air horns. See? Anyway. Uh, tonight, or today, I don't know when you're doing this, I don't know your fucking life, don't get on my case, uh, anyway, uh, today, <laughs> our podcast is sponsored in part by Blue Apron, you know what Blue Apron is, you've heard about it, they put a bunch of food in a box, they send the box to you, you use that food to make, uh, your meals, Blue Apron delivers fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. Under 45 minutes to deliciousness. Blue Apron is teaming up with best-selling cookbook author Chrissy Teigen. That's right, Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen. To bring you some of her favorite recipes to make at home. Get ready for six weeks of flavorful cooking featuring recipes like Garlic and soy glazed shrimp with charred broccoli and hot green pepper sauce. And sesame chicken noodles with bok choy. Hey guys, I'm going to get real with you. There's only one way to get Blue Apron, and that's by ordering Blue Apron. You can't just expect it to come up to your door without ordering it. I mean, maybe if someone, you know, gave it to you as a gift. But that is a long shot. That is a million to one. So why don't you just order it? And if you're going to order it, order it through us so we get a little sweet taste. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash flophouse. That's blueapron.com slash flophouse to get your first three meals free. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Also, we're sponsored in part by Mac Weldon. Hey, listen, you like feeling good? You like looking, looking good? You like feeling great. How about that? Look good and feel great in Mac Weldon. That's my tip to you. Because Mac Weldon, Weldon, Mac Weldon, 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 Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Guys, this, this shopping is so simple, even a Dan can do it. And you've seen how I talk. They've got this line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, meaning they eliminate odor. How many things in your life are naturally antimicrobial? I'm betting two or three at the most. At the most. Anyway, if you don't like your first pair of Mack Weldon underwear, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. No questions asked. And that is important because do you 
realize the number of crimes I intend on committing in my Mack Weldon underwear before returning them. So anyway, go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code FLOP. Hey guys, it's not over yet. We've got a few Jumbotrons here. Join your hosts, Tyler the Movie Buff and Brandon the Movie Not Enough for the Film Foil Podcast. A hat full of a hundred of history's greatest movies spurs their fortnightly discussion from two wildly different perspectives. Listen along as Brandon and Tyler, and an occasional surprise guest, discuss what they loved about the movie, share behind-the-scenes facts, offer recommendations of further viewing, and decide whether or not Brandon's dad would enjoy the movie. Search for Film Foil on your podcast player of choice, or go to Film Foil Podcast. Dot com. And secondly, secondly on the Jumbotron, which you can get on yourself if you go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. This is uh, another podcast. It's called Unaired. Unaired is a podcast where each week the hosts watch a TV show canceled with episodes left unaired. Review it, then pitch the, their ideas for what could have been in those episodes of those shows. They do segments like The Tooch is Loose, where they include guest appearances of Stanley Tucci in their episode pitches, and Commercialize This Shitty Show, where they share their marketing plans for these shows. New episodes every Thursday, and you can find them on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. So check out Unaired, wherever you find podcasts. Where do you find them? On the beach? No, those are shells. Don't try and put those in your ears. Anyway, back to the show. Let's move on. No. Do we have to? Oh. Do letters from listeners. Wait, Dan, before we do that, I'd just uh, like to remind people we have, another, we have another live show coming up. Okay. In June. All right. On June 23rd. Okay. In that's, Seattle, that's Washington. not true at all. It's June 30th. Oh, I'm sorry, June 30th. Well, this is, well, I should have written it down. Okay, yeah, that's right. June 30th in Seattle, Washington. Go yep. to Flophouse to Podcast. Slash dot com slash events at the Neptune Theater. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's think right. There's still tickets left as of Lord the of the Deep. We'll be under the sea. Not really. Wait, yeah. are we? <laughs> um, uh, I got to get my gills put in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stuart's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like confusion, anger, and delight all at once. All at the same time. That's also known Ooh. as Stuart's reaction to anything we say. <laughs> but yeah, June 30th in Seattle, Washington. Flophouse.podcast.com slash events. Get some tickets. Come It'll see be us. our. It's our last live show before another Kalen enters the world. That's true. It'll be my last live show before I have a second child and are not doing live shows for a little bit as I do not pull a Christian Gray and jet off when my family is growing. Instead, I stick around. I feel like uh, he's just asking for a heartwarming moment where we're like, Elliot, you're nothing like Christian Gray. <laughs> no, I'd be just like Hyde if I or Christian Gray if I had been a kid with a who was in foster care and then was adopted by a rich family or but not. Look what you've made of yourself, Elliot. No, no, no. I'm 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 just all of us are just candles in the wind. We're just dust in the wind too. Candle dust. <laughs> um, candle dust. Twelve tracks by Elliot. <laughs> I was going to say, Candle Dust sounds like a really cheapy, like, fantasy horror movie. Like, have you heard the legend of Jack Candle Dust? <laughs> it also doesn't make any sense. There's no, nothing about candles creates dust. <laughs> no, it's wax. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should uh, do letters, though. This uh, first letter is from 
I will have a lot of trouble saying this <laughs> name. Uh, I'm going to go with Naja, last name withheld. Okay. And it goes like this. Hey, fellas. I was working in the garage Sunday afternoon and was also listening to the USS Indianapolis Men of Courage episode. Wait, let me say one thing. Dan, I appreciate that you stood your, you stood your guns, did not apologize for possibly mispronouncing the name, but just stated, <laughs> I'm going to have trouble with this. <laughs> <laughs> this is your problem, Naja. <laughs> uh, so she was listening to the USS Naptown episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm, Men of Courage, old men talk uh, about how much they hate sharks. <laughs> I hate them. Sharks, I hate them. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Who's telling you to feel better about sharks? Yeah, Dan. My six-year-old daughter thoughtfully decided to bring me a Capri Sun just as Elliot was hitting his stride with the fan favorite, Wow, I'm on Wilson. <laughs> My daughter thought this was hysterical and asked me, Daddy, why is this man so surprised by everything? I told her that it was none other than Lightning McQueen acting so incredulous, and she thought that was great. Later that afternoon, her five-year-old cousin visited and brought her his collection of Pixar's Cars toys. I couldn't have been prouder than when my daughter started driving the Lightning McQueen car around the floor saying, wow, I'm Lightning McQueen. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this totally infuriated my nephew who kept trying to stop my daughter from he quoting this say that. hilarious line. And we was even prouder when she persist, persisted. I've decided to try convincing her to replace Lightning McQueen's catchphrase, ka-chow, with rah-rah, <laughs> purely for my own entertainment. I can't imagine her cousin reacting calmly to this either. <laughs> What's the worst movie misquote you've ever been bothered by? Keep on flopping. Uh, oh, wow. see, this is a tough question. I'm not sure that I actually have a good answer, oh, to it, I but was, I like the. That's I think that's an adorable story, and I love it. And as the father of a child who also loves the Cars films and is always talking about Lightning the Queen, as he, <laughs> as, as he calls him, he's called Lightning the Queen, like the Queen, but now he says Lightning the Queen. Uh, my son, he speaks very well, but he still occasionally says things like ambulance instead of ambulance. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> Which in an emergency situation, that can be terrifying. <laughs> uh, call me an ambulance. A what? An ambulance? Oh, sir, we don't have those. It's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> we have, uh, we have a wide array of cars we could, we could send, uh, <laughs> we have a Toyota Camry if sir prefers that. <laughs> That's wait, so I'm, I'm glad the, the person knows enough that he's talking about a motor vehicle. <laughs> yeah. An ambulance sounds like ambulance, so maybe they're related, Instead of assuming, but not the exact same thing. <laughs> Instead of assuming that's what you mean, I'll assume it's a, in the same family, but I've never heard of it before. <laughs> maybe it's European. <laughs> Yeah. Well, a caterpillar. It sounds like caterpillar, but I'll assume this is some <laughs> new type of bug that's just been discovered by you. Congratulations, little child. We call we call them Sammies now. <laughs> um so uh there was a when I used to work at Suncoast Motion Picture Company in the mm-hmm. Short Hills Mall. This is a this is a videotape sales store. We did not rent them, we only sold them. And we had this big book where you could look up movies to see there were all the movies I think that the store carried. And there were little descript- capsule descriptions written of each. So if someone asked you about them, you'd know something mm-hmm. about it. And in the des- in the <coughs> description for Chinatown, a great movie, which has, of course, the incredibly memorable final line, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. They, the opening of the capsule description says, it's just Chinatown, Jake. <laughs> With these words, Roman Polanski is just like, like, and it was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, that's not, in quotes, and I was just like, it made make me so mad. I was like, book, you're supposed to be the authority on this. And I did also uh, just love that the movie just ends with somebody shrugging their shoulders and going, it's just Chinatown, Jake. <laughs> yeah. It's so much less effectual. Like, yeah. Eh, what are you going to do? It's just Chinatown. Truly the difference between the lightning and the lightning bug. 
Yeah. As the great man once said. Uh, that's that's great man one. me right now. Oh, wow. 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 Oh, no, You're Mark you Twain. <laughs> wow. Um, this next letter is from Gary, last name withheld. Unmarried. Larson. Who writes. Re- Gary Larson, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Dashing Dan, Steely Stew, and Effervescent Elliot. Oh, Stan Lee wrote this. Do <laughs> uh, you think they'll make a shitty movie about Tetris someday? Will it be an animated fin- film brought to you by the dinks that made minions? Will Alec Baldwin voice the garbage square block? <laughs> will Adam Baldwin voice, voice the garbage L-shaped block? Or will it be a Hogwarts live-action film about some generic-ass dude played by Dax Shepard or Josh Gad helping the fucking shitty-ass T-shaped block? <laughs> probably voiced by Nick Kroll. Get back together with his girlfriend, the fucking Z-shaped block that was probably voiced by Tina Fey or some shit. Hagrid is probably going to fucking show up to say, you're a wizard, T-shaped block. <laughs> He'll probably say, like, an asshole. Gary Larson is very mad about this. Keep it floppy, Gary, last name with help. Here's, I'm going to tell you what the movie's going to be. One, it could be just like the emoji movie. We all have our shapes and we fit together, but my son is a new type of shape (coughs) that doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. Here's what it's going to be. It's going to be just like that. And that's going to signal the release of Tetris 2, the game, where they have a new shape. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like when Super Mario Bros. 3 was tied in with The Wizard starring Fred Savage. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the... What was that movie? Was it called Chompers or Arcade? The one with Adam Sandler? Pixels. Pixels. That's what it's going to be. Aliens are crushing American cities with enormous blocks, and one guy has to use his video game skills. They can't stop the blocks, but he can maneuver them in midair as they're falling to miss the buildings. Mm-hmm. And it's to- not going to be like Dwayne the Rock Johnson has to jump into blocks, knocking them into or like into shape. Oh, maybe yeah, it could be that. That's the other way to go too. Yeah. All right. So I guess Gary, you share screenwriting credit with us. <laughs> well, story by <laughs> for this. Uh... <laughs> yeah. We'll leave it up to the guild to arbitrate that. <laughs> Uh, Dan, never give away screenwriting credit. No, what are you right. doing? Yeah. We didn't have a paper trail. Delete that email. <laughs> Delete this recording. Ah. <laughs> as soon as these emails get read, they get <laughs> thrown into the trash with extreme prejudice. <laughs> wow, well, <laughs> well, you're really making friends with the fans. On this yeah, and by that, it means Dan puts on sunglasses when he does it. <laughs> 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 Say, you're terminated. It's <laughs> yeah, it's the key on his Schwarzenegger soundboard. <laughs> I feel like so after the show last night, after the live shows, we always hang out with the with the fans. Uh-huh. And I feel like Dan used up his sociability last night and now he's just like, I hate the fans. <laughs> I don't like their names, I don't like their letters. <laughs> well, we'll see what this uh the end of this next uh we'll see what the end of the, this next letter will tell you why. Oh wow. <laughs> so much anticipation. No, oh, not boy. really. Not really. I was just trying to find a segue. Uh, this one, maybe a segue that has a little fewer stakes would be that. <laughs> this one's from Spencer. Yeah, just look underneath Paul Blart, dude. You'll find one. <laughs> a steak? No, a segue. <laughs> I'm sure if you looked under Paul Blart, you'd find a steak too. <laughs> and yes, that is a bad joke, and I apologize. Spencer, last, I'm making fun of the character, not the performer. Spencer, last name withheld. Gifts. Right. Spencer S. Gifts. <laughs> the S stands for Spencer. Hey, Flopadoodles. First-time listener, long-time writer. I currently find myself with seven weeks left in my undergraduate career. and facing Congratulations. Ahead of time. Mm-hmm, and facing all the anxiety that <laughs> comes I'm with... Because I'm kicked out of school. Mm-hmm, preparing to enter the real world. I wonder whether I've made the right choice in my overly vague public relations degree. I've also wondered about the career choices of some filmmakers. Now or, that's a segue, that's a Dan. Segue. <laughs> For example, if Zack Snyder was a full-time director of photography who frequently partnered with a director who understood good storytelling, I believe his work as a DP would be generally more well-regarded than his work as a director. 
What other filmmakers do you think would flourish more in other areas of the filmmaking process than the ones that are best known for? Or ones that have tried their hands in other areas and have failed? Yours forever and warmly boners, Spencer, last name withheld. P.S. I hear the way to get a letter on the show is to butter up Dan. Fuck that noise. Stew balls, you're my boy. Wow, and I am a non-entity. I am stew balls. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so, like that's, that's the movie about an alien robot lands to Earth and a kid finds it and, and nicknames him stew balls and the alien robot doesn't like it. And then the kid gets kidnapped by the government or something because they're trying to get the robot. The robot... <laughs> to save the kid, bursts through the wall and goes, I am. Goes, they go, it's Project XQ-47. I am not Project XQ-47. I am Stew Balls. And then, and then I throw the uh, the evil executive off the building, and the good executive's like, hey, what's your name, son? Mm-hmm. And I go, Stew Balls. Yeah. The nice shooting, ex- son. What's your name? Stew Balls. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. And as the evil executive falls to his death, his arms get really long for some reason. <laughs> Because oh, they they cut out the scene where uh, where he gets Mister Fantastic powers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's trying to stretch his arms back up to the window to catch yeah, it. Yeah, they're like, uh, uh, Verhoeven. It, this one scene where he gets superpowers, it doesn't really seem to fit with the rest of the movie. The other, otherwise, the movie is brilliant. It's such a tightly constructed piece of work. Ah, uh, but the scene at the end won't work. We've already done the la- the arm lengthening special effects. No one will notice. Fast forward to Dan thirty years later. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Paul, can I call you Paul? Sorry, that was presumptuous of me. Mr. Verhoeven, what's the deal with this one scene? And he gets the letter while he's like making a documentary about Jesus or something. And he opens up and he goes, All of my mistakes have come back to haunt me. The sins of the past are repaid upon the Father as on the Son. And then he puts sunglasses on and throws it in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Having he says, read this, You're like, terminated. <laughs> It's the soundboard key. <laughs> I don't know why I did that since I pretty much sound like him anyway. Uh, so, so to clarify so, what this letter's so, asking. What's the question again? <laughs> is he is he asking what uh what filmmakers, what filmmakers oh, it, would do better well, in different I, I think it, roles? I want I I think it since I'm kind of vague on exactly every element of input that a director has. I would probably can I clarify this question to more of a what director has, th- what are some good things about directors that I don't like? That's sure. a way to put a positive spin on it. Yeah. Cause I was going to go the way he asked and um, that would have been negative. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. There's, I feel like there's certain things that Wes Anderson does really well. He obviously puts a lot of care into his movies. There's a lot of, uh, they're designed very well, but I find his stories usually very emotionally distant and not, not something that I can connect with. So uh, maybe uh, maybe that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, I think that's more a sense of him having a taste that you, that's not your taste. But I think he does he does fall on the same tropes a lot, which is frustrating. Like I like his movies a lot, but I did not see Island of Dogs partly because in the trailer there's that scene where the woman goes, the girl character goes, "I think I have a crush on him," and it's like, "No, I'm tired of that." Like I've I've seen that same relationship in your movies multiple times now, and like. In Moonrise Kingdom, I loved it, but I can't see it over and over again in every movie. Yeah, I've often thought that a setting aside a couple movies like Ed Wood, which is fantastic, Tim Burton would have been better off as like an art director yeah, necessarily than as a director because he doesn't his movies. Yeah, they're not super strong on story. They almost always look amazing, and like the, it's it feels like he has such a he has such a personal style, but movies are not even necessarily like the right form for it in a way because they're so story based yeah. You know? yeah on a similar note i think that 
probably Barry, Barry Sonnenfeld should have stayed as a cinematographer rather than becoming a director. Hmm, you say that in the face of the two Adams Family movies. <laughs> uh, movies I enjoy. Yeah. The, movies I enjoy. I And I also think, and this is going to sound weird, that I think Noah Baumbach should not write his movies. I think he gets really good performances out of actors. He does a serviceable job of shooting things. Everything looks fine. But like I watched uh, like watching like Meyerowitz stories and watching a bunch of his other ones recently. And I was like, oh, like these are not like these are movies kind of in search of a plot in a lot of ways. And the character development, even for a guy who has strong characters in his movies, it's like so much rests on the performances like the squid and the whale. I'm not a huge fan of. I feel like without those performances, that movie doesn't work, you know? So it's like, maybe you should just direct someone else's scripts. Maybe like a Marvel movie. Noah Baumbach. <laughs> Movies known for having amazing scripts. And he, but he, the thing is, he writes good dialogue. So yeah. here's what you do. Yeah, take someone else's screenplay. You punch up the dialogue, which a lot of directors do anyway. And then you just direct it that way. How about that, Noah? I mean, that movie Noah was a big, real departure for him, I know. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he didn't make it. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, the biggest departure that one can have is not doing it. Yeah, not doing the thing. Um, yeah, so those are some letters that that we 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 answered. Okay, Dan, put on your sunglasses and throw them in the fire. <laughs> You're terminated. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, now, what do we do on this podcast? Our last Dan? segment on the podcast is always to recommend something that we like uh, that maybe you should watch before watching the movie that we have cursed ourselves to have to watch due to the format of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to jump in yeah, here sure. to make sure Dan doesn't steal this recommendation. Okay. Um, I haven't seen a ton of movies lately, but I went and saw Han Solo, the movie recently. <laughs> it's not the title. Uh, 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 Han Solo, the movie, a movie about star Wars, the subtitle, <laughs> a movie about star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, technically it's about a star war, I guess. Yeah. Somebody check the rule book. Um, (laughs) the great data spoken (laughs) uh so yeah i mean it's like i love star wars i love you know even the bad ones i'm going to be at least somewhat affectionate toward uh but i thought this uh managed to be a fun little heist movie uh the performances are pretty great uh the there's some set pieces that are real standouts there's at least one set piece on a train that for me is an all-time great star wars set piece um, and it's fun to see actors like Woody Harrelson just kind of slip right into the star Wars universe. And at the same time, the movie kind of has its own, like it, it's clearly set in star Wars, but it also uses its own film language. It feels, it feels different than the rest. Uh, so yeah, if you are putting off seeing it because maybe you had heard bad things about the production, I would say, give it a shot. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, I, would like to recommend a movie that I was certain I had recommended or someone had recommended before. I went on Flophouse Recommends. Stop making sense. It claims that it has never been. It claims that it has never been recommended. It seems like it would have been recommended when we talked about one of the previous Fifty Shades movie, but I'm going to go for Secretary. Exit to Eden. Oh. I would never recommend Secretary. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, that makes sense. It wasn't like a new movie. No, I know, but... It's not so old that it's like a rediscovery. Sure. Now's the time for America to to fall back in love again with Secretary. But if you're going to watch a movie about a dominant, submissive relationship, why not watch one that's good? 
And that's called Secretary. I mean, Secretary does, it has the exact same character arc as all three Fifty Shades movies, but in one movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, but also, I feel like Secretary doesn't, like, vilify the sex necessarily, but it does, it does show how the male is, like, doing things wrong and corrects that. Uh, and I mean, re- like, he's, he's, he's doing things wrong and corrects himself. Yeah, he corrects his, his, his uh, controlling behavior. Uh, but it's also genuinely sexy in a way that none of the Fifty Shades movies are. Um, and so, and it's got great performances by Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader. It was Maggie Gyllenhaal's breakout role. Yeah. So why don't... James why, Spader's breakout role. Run off and watch Secretary. <laughs> New hot young talent, James Spader. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to recommend a very different movie. It's an old movie. Hey, guys. I'm going to recommend, recommend a movie called Come and Get It. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the it, they're spelled C U M. No, gross. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's an all star movie all around. The, it was directed by it's credited to being directed by Howard Hawks and William Wyler, which is crazy. Uh, and it was shot by Greg Toland. And this is at a period where it's kind of a minor movie for all those guys. And it's before Greg Toland really like got into his the style we think of him with with like Citizen Kane and Long. I was and, thinking uh, Greg Allman. That would have been crazy. Yeah, Greg Allman before. Uh, it stars Edward Arnold and Joel McCrea, or Joel McCray, however it's pronounced, and Francis Farmer and Walter Brennan, and Walter Brennan won Best Supporting Actor for it, and it's the story of a lumber baron. He's a former lumberjack, Edward Arnold, who becomes a lumber baron, and instead of marrying the woman that he loves, who is a dance hall singer, he marries a rich girl so that he can join her father's business, and regrets it for the rest of his life, and finds himself eventually at a point where he... He has has a crush on that woman's daughter at the same time that she's falling for his son. So it's an old-fashioned family love triangle saga, but everyone's really good in it. The one problem is that Edward Arnold plays himself as both a young man and like a middle-aged man, and it's like he just never looks like a young man. <laughs> it's like uh, like Bob Odenkirk on Better Call Saul. <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah, <laughs> except not as not as believable. <laughs> um, but it's just a really good like hist- like historical drama of. People out in the people uh, on the frontier, and then dealing with uh, the like being successful out in the wild, and then dealing with that success later as a man who's supposed to be respectable, but now wants to have the things that he's denied himself in the past. And I just really liked it a lot. It's called "Come and Get It," and the title comes from the idea of calling lumberjacks into lunch or dinner. You would ring a bell and say, "Come and get it," and it's kind of like when it, the uh, that takes on a larger meaning. But it's it's a Kind of a silly title for a movie that's not a silly movie. Yeah. Although you do have Walter Brennan doing this kind of Swede accent that you used to see in movies all the time in the 30s. There was always like a lovable, goofy Swedish guy who'd be like, oh, well, by Yemeni, oh. And that's something that has completely evaporated from movie screens. So it's, <laughs> it's very funny. I mean, well, <laughs> Swedish people have assimilated into the culture. Right? I know, but it's like, I mean, but. Yeah, if you watch one of those movies now, it just disappears from <laughs> the screen. They're, they're just like, hey, guys. But uh, it's just like a, fu- it's a funny. This it's funny when like there's an ethnic stereotype that just doesn't, doesn't you don't see it anymore you know yeah. but at the time it was like oh yeah the famous goofy Swede yeah uh, all right guys well we should sign off so Stuart's wife can stop tiptoeing around her own hotel room yeah. while we're talking like idiots um, <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> brandishing a rolling pin menacingly does <laughs> <laughs> so she ever take those curlers out of her hair <laughs> no I mean. 
She that's that was the secret to getting curly hair is wear curlers for forty years. <laughs> <laughs> and they're curly for a day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And the secret to Curly's gold is uh I guess it's a map written on the back of a thing. You never found out. It was too sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only legends remain. And I'm gonna apologize ahead of time for the retrograde jokes about uh about the angry wife that we were just making. Guys, yeah. there's a thin line between ironic stuff like that and real stuff like that. Yeah. A thin line between love and hate. Yeah, we were they're just imagining that we're referencing the Lockhorns. Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, Andy or Cap. Andy Cap. <laughs> it was really more Andy Cap. Yeah. The Lockhorns would be more of like, she can't drive and he's always ogling Gio Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that Gio Mateo has swept the nation once again. Oh, no. Wait. Here's what I want to okay. see Hollywood. And then we'll go. I want to see a Lockhorns movie. And at yeah. the very end, we learn that the Lockhorns changed their names at some point, And their original names were... Christian and Anna Gray. Uh oh! Just like Split. Spoiler alert. Was it was it was an unbreakable <laughs> sequel? It turns out that it turns that Fifty Shades Freed is a prequel to the Lockhorns movie. <laughs> oh man, here we go again. <laughs> Time makes Lockhorns of us all. Yep. All right. Well, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington, and I'm Ellie Kalen. Good night, everyone. We do the intro and then we do the thing. Oh, is that how we do this? Really? Oh, okay. You, if you want. You're the one who usually <laughs> forgets. <laughs> Balls in your court. <laughs> Go for it. Do we have any jumbotrons or ads or anything to do? Oh, Dan's gonna have to do it. Or like oh, questions. He's gonna have to do some classic band so oh, People love those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the point where Stuart or LA would make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.